You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome to another... Land and Legacy Habitat Heroes podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we are set for a podcast topic. We're, we're together. We, actually. We're actually <laughs> together. Yeah, we're actually back at, at the office and uh, recording um, today. First time in a while. But we're going to cover a topic that uh, kind of uh, recently we've had, we've been asked this question a couple times. Um, but it's kind of been an ongoing question since creating Land and Legacy and then launching the podcast. And so we figured we would take this whole podcast to explain um, several things, explain what we do as a land consultant, what a land consultant is, a wildlife manager, all those titles that people throw out there, and then also um, kind of things that we do on the property. And so basically if... We, the the reason why is we get asked this question, hey, I heard about you guys. Could you write in an email exactly what you do? And this is the podcast where we explain exactly what we do. Yeah, and I think I think there's there is a little bit of confusion and, and and that's okay because we like it when people reach out and ask those types of questions so we can educate them on on what it is our our services are, um, how we can help you and assist you. but there are a lot of uh, titles out there that, can get placed onto um, just portions of what we do. You know, some of that might be a wildlife manager or a land consultant or a habitat manager. Um, but truthfully, it's everything all those represent and, and more. And that's why we wanted to do the podcast again to to further educate on what it is Land and Legacy does, and then how we might be able to assist you on, on a property. So um, that's what this basis for the podcast is. And we're going to hit it and uh, let you guys know, basically, what it is Land and Legacy does. Yeah. If you it kind of sounds it silly. It's just like, what, podcast 120-something? And we're yeah. like, oh, yeah, we all, we all tell them what we do. Yeah. <laughs> that might help out. <laughs> I, I guess people kind of have an idea. Yeah, oh, yeah, for but sure. But we're going to explain kind of more nuts and more bolts. More exactly what we do and some examples that we've done. Um since since we launched, I guess now we've been in 26 states and 27, 27 states, yep. and we have covered about, uh, I think now it's somewhere around 36 or 37,000 acres mm-hmm. that we've covered since really consulting season kicked off January 2017. So 
just over now two we're years. Now we're here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. I think they wrote that song about us. I don't know. But uh, it, it's it's been a wild ride so far, and this is only, uh, I would say, first gear. And that's exciting, too, because – um, you know, we've been hinting, hey, there's some more things coming, guys, but just, you know, stay tuned, um, continue to do that. But this will, again, help provide that foundation of, okay, here, here, here it is what we do. And, and uh, with some announcements, you'll be able to say, okay, that's, that makes sense, guys. I understand, you know, from your foundation why, why you're doing these things. So um, first off, what is a land consultant? Because I would say that title there would best represent what it is that we do because we're not just solely focused there, on there's wildlife. two titles that i use depending on who's asking um land consultant or environmental restoration and the reason being is sometimes people don't understand it depending on what part of the i guess world or what where they come from they may not understand a land consultant because it's kind of vague but environmental restoration is exactly what it sounds like and a lot of what we do, although we work with a lot of hunters, a lot of our work is really restoring a native landscape is our ultimate goal. And so a lot of that comes down to environmental restoration. Yeah, I, so, I think that, you know, that's that's like the method at which we achieve these different things is just looking back right at the environment uh, ecosystem as a, as a whole based on the property, your region, your climate, those things, and say, Here's how we're going to get here based on these conditions that you guys experience in this region of the country. So, right, it, it makes sense to to totally come at it from, from that angle. And, and sometimes that's what the client is looking for. I mean, sometimes that not that they don't care about wildlife, but their focus is is broader than just wildlife. You know, they do want to improve the rest of it. Um, so land consultant? Land consultant is basically somebody who provides assistance or advice in the usability of a land in different purposes regarding the land's usage. So basically, that sums it up pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, I just Googled it. Thanks, um, Google. Basically, what what I would always tell people is we just help landowners reach maximum produc- production out of their land, Yeah. Um, depending on their goals. A lot of times their goals could be, I want bigger deer, I want more deer, I want more wildlife, um, or I want to have as many animals on my place wild animals deer turkey quail game and also, non-game species but also still have cows incorporated in it certainly, certainly. and so we've worked several properties like that and trying to find ways to really help a landowner look at where he can make money where he needs to stop spending money where he needs to spend money um, but how overall how can we reach his goals yeah and i think you know some people are saying, okay, I get it. You know, that, that's, that's what you do. Um, but if you're, if you're a farmer or a landowner and you're, you're working the land and and you have these set goals, why do I need you though? Like why, why do I need a land consultant to, to help me achieve that? Like what's the benefit that you would bring to the table, um, as a land consultant to me on my property? And I think that, everyone i guess if we're all honest with ourselves we're not good at everything there's there's things that adam you and i from from a business standpoint that we refer to others on you know they're a subject matter expert on this and so we're going to go to them and ask questions because 
you and I have limited knowledge on what it is that it's going to take to for us to achieve this, let's say, in, in the business world. Um, so, you know, I think that it only makes sense that, hey, there's a land consultant out there um, that can help me better understand this property. Again, take take a 30,000 foot view of what it is that I'm dealing with, understand my goals, and it truthfully comes at it from an unbiased opinion. I think a lot of times when the properties that we go to, um, you know, I, I, the, the people who hire us either it tends to be someone who has owned a property for a long time and they're not achieving their goals at the rate that they want to, or it's a new landowner. Either way, what we do is come in and provide an outside unbiased opinion. So you opinion. just explain landowners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> somebody who's owned it for a long time, somebody just bought That's it. That's it. <laughs> but like anybody, you know, could use a land consultant, I guess it is, is a thing. You know, you don't have to just be new to land ownership to, to need this um, because oftentimes we find someone who, or, or, you know, we're touring around a property and this guy, let's say he's owned it for 15 years, 20 years, or maybe he's passed had the property passed down and he's lived on it for his whole life. Well, when you live on a property or you're used to a property, you see the property for exactly what it is all the time. It's hard to separate yourself and your goals from that property. And you get into basically the status quo of managing the said property. And you just go with the flow because it's either tradition or it's just the way it's always been done. And it's hard to break those routines and see, okay, I'm actually wasting time here in this avenue where I need to be putting it here to help me actually achieve this goal. That's the number one thing I want to do with the property because you just are, it's like ingrained in you to do your food plots this way or manage your timber or not manage your timber because maybe bad information you've had from a previous landowner, whoever knows. But the thing is a lot of people just get stuck in a, and in a routine. What's the, de- what did Albert Einstein say the definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over and expecting yep. different results. That's where we honestly, there's two things we see insanity occurring where People Did want you just call deer. our clients insane? Uh, I'm insane. So <laughs> I do a lot of stupid stuff as well and do the same thing, expect different results. Insanity. Uh, at the same time, analysis paralysis. Definitely. Those are the two things that we probably really try to tackle and help a landowner with. Of They want bigger deer, but they've been doing food plots and burning during the same month at the same time. Uh, burning in january let's say right, a dormant right. season fire on the same units expecting every three a years different diversity and they're expecting right. all kinds of different things to occur yeah when it comes down to understanding how to create more diversity on your landscape and how to maximize your time your money and the productiveness of the land yeah for sure and, and i think that analysis paralysis is definitely that that second uh half of of who we talk to and deal with a lot because there is and there has been so much information out there. I mean, if, if you go onto social media, if you read magazines, if you read articles, if you read peer-reviewed um, information that universities put out, which hopefully you're, you're getting stuff from a credible source. But if you're reading all this, none of it makes sense because everyone's saying different stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you, what that does is put you into a place that says, where do I start? 
wait, which one is it that I do? Because I could do this, but is that going to affect this? And then that, does that affect this? But then I don't achieve my goal. And you're sitting there thinking over and over and over, where do I start? Where do I begin? And you don't have that goal in mind and you don't know how to differentiate between all this information because this is not what you may do on a you know, day-to-day basis and Look, you need help deciding, hey, let's simplify it. Let's get good information. Let's understand the goals and then just attack it. Let's let's discuss some things that I saw happen just in the last eight days. All right, eight days. I've got two stories, and this is, this goes into where are you getting your sources, where are you getting your information. Okay, so bear with me on this rabbit trail. Earlier this I week, I hear the hounds. Earlier this week, I saw a um, something was shared with me. Um, of a, uh, not to name names or anything like that, but it was a person, a deer hunter, a known deer hunter who was planting eastern red cedar trees for better habitat, air quote, that habitat um, for his deer. Said it was some of the best, the best, I don't know, species you could plant. At the same time, pivot off that and go over and I see a, um, I see a, quail forever post that was going in and eliminating eastern red cedars so they could improve the habitat the overall habitat for northern bobwhite quail so if you're in a quail world you're going okay i know eastern red cedars are bad but if you're in a deer world and you're following certain people you're going to say well i know i need eastern red cedar which one's which one's right the quail guys or the deer guys and then, so so it's very. If you were to believe that, let's say, then it would be very goal specific as to which one you want to follow and understand, and then apply to your property. Yes. However, we all know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, I saw another article where it was a uh, organization out of South Carolina who was focused on northern bobwhite quail and improving habitat. Uh, they were kind of doing a th- combination of for golden wing warbler, red cockaded woodpecker, and northern bobwhite quail. Well, they shared an article about how all this time coyotes have had this really bad uh, rap for being preda- predating on quail, but this study came out that found that actually a healthy population of coyotes lowered. Um, the population of some of the more severe nest predators, such as raccoons and opossums skunks. and skunks, to where they felt in, in this study that the coyotes were a good thing for the quail. Pivot off that back into the deer world, and the coyote has this, uh, in, in the discussion I saw, was the coyote was creating horrible problems and was eating all these fawns, and at the same time, which one do you take your information from? Which one's right? And which one? Right. One was research. <laughs> one was opinions. One was research, and the other one's opinion. So correct. Correct. But it just so happened to be that the opinions were both in the deer world, and the research was in the and, quail world. Correct. Correct. And, and yes, the, we're we are comparing two different species. Understand that completely. However, if you are reading and trying to educate yourself on these things, it can easily be very tough to discern right and wrong or fact versus opinion. So that's why 
it's easy to get the analysis paralysis and not do anything at all. And we all know that managing a property, actively doing something to it, creating some disturbances is better than doing nothing at all. And so you need that additional, let's say, expertise or knowledge to come in that is unbiased, that understands and is there working directly for your goals and has information and science to back it up that, no, this is what you should do. Here's the steps that's going to get you there. And here's how we're going to help you do it along the way. Because again, the worst thing you can do is sit back on your heels and just continue. Again, education is great. But education without action doesn't achieve anything. And so you have to be able to sit here and apply what it is you're learning. And hopefully you're learning the right stuff so then you achieve your goals. It's not, it's not rocket scientists. It's rocket science, but it, it still takes action to do this. It's not ro- rocket scientists. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> um, so then I think the other thing that we do is sit here and say, how are you going to reach your goals? Or, or, or that's, that's the question that a client or a landowner would ask us. Okay, here's what I want to do. We've toured the property. Now, how do I get there? Because, again, how many different techniques are there to, let's say you've got 80 acres of timber on a property. How many different techniques are there to, let's say, just cutting timber what you've got, select cut, you've got shelter wood cuts, you've got clear cuts, you've got ugh, hinge cutting, you've got all these different types of things. While you say that, I guess I need to put make sure they can hear me on this one. We're talking about timber management in one category and then hinge cutting over here, and it's not in that category. Yeah, you know, it, it is definitely separate. But what I'm saying is, you know, people people who may not, again, do this on a daily basis, understand what each one of those does and does in different regions and across the country what you could expect to come back and how long it may take for said species to come back and so on and so forth. You have to have someone be able to help guide you and direct you as to here's the best practice that's going to get you to where it is you want to be down the road. Three years from now, I can tell you what to expect from a clear cut, from a select cut of X. Um, of this volume or of this type of tree um, and and so on and so forth. So you have to be able to understand, okay, here's, here's the goal. You tell me which one to get there and help roadmap that out. You know, what, again, what is the time frame here? What's the, what's the return interval of prescribed fire? How much sunlight am I supposed to be getting or should I get on this north slope versus the south slope because it's going to be completely different. But if you don't think about these things critically, you're going to go in, even if you have a set goal in mind, if you just go in and do things, you're going to sit back and be like, I'm not reaching my goals. I'm going to get frustrated with this and think, my goodness, I'm doing something wrong or or I've approached this wrong and what what are my next steps? And you're just going to be hopefully not confused, but potentially confused on what to do. For sure. You have no idea what I'm doing over here, but I'm going to, uh, it's, it's critical for what we're doing. It's so critical, he says. Very critical. <laughs> um, uh, so I was going to say, you know, as you're doing whatever you're doing, um, you know, wh- one thing that I think that, uh, let's say this, would you start a business? Cause there's a lot of people out there, um, 
who are successful business people, entrepreneurs, or or you own or, or work for a business and you're you just understand what that business goals are, would you start a business without a business plan? Because a lot of times what we're finding is people buy land without a land management plan. And so why do you, you have goals in the business to make money and here's how you roadmap it. It takes, let's say, marketing, it takes personnel, it takes clients, it takes all these different things to achieve, let's say, X amount of return on the business that you're doing. Well, it's no different from a land, a piece of land. Again, you have goals of restoration, you have goals of harvesting big deer, of spending more time with your family on the property and teaching them, you know, educating them on the process of what's going on. Well, how are you going to do that? You need to roadmap it and develop a plan. And that's where we can come in and say, hey, we've got X amount of people across the country who, who've got our plans in hand and are achieving this. Here's how we can help you. Here's how we can build that plan for you and not let you sit here in five years and scratch your head and say, Am I getting closer? Am I getting farther? Am I making an improvement? Have I made long-term detrimental effects to the landscape because of some trendy thing uh, that I read in a magazine article? Did I, for example, I went out and hinge cut a whole bunch of really, really nice marketable walnut? Oops. Whoops. I'm I'm not getting that back. Or or, or a a mid-story mid-story second generation white oak that you know your kids could have benefited from like what is the goal what is the purpose you have to have these questions answered if, if you go to, to the, make the right if decisions. you're going to investors to invest in your business you have to have a business plan if you're going to first time farm loan um, you have to have a farm plan in place if yep. you're going to take out a loan to start a business you have to have a business plan in, pay, in place but oftentimes we don't see land plans, habitat plans. It's more of a meh. I'll just go out and do. I'm gonna I'm gonna piddle around. And I think some of that has to do, to do with. Um, I guess this goes back into to misinformation of. Hey, I I understand. You know, if I want to kill big deer, I need to focus on food plots. So you go in, you put a couple food plots in, and you hope and wish and pray. And sometimes in some areas. You might you might pull a couple good deer off of that property a year, but is that long term sustainable? Is that the best thing for the property? Most likely, no, it's not. And and there's other avenues that you need to focus on. Um, so again, we can't all be experts on land management, property development, natural resource management. We can't all know that and, and be again a hundred percent professionals with it, and that's fine. So that's where we want to come in and say, hey, we provide these services. Let's let's get a current understanding of what the property is and then from there manage it. What, I'm gonna, what have you got You here? know how much I beat Eastern Red Cedars up? Oh, I'm going to start beating this one up. So I've just pulled out, I think there's 11 maps here from various properties that I've been on or we've both been on over the last few months. And I've got a 140-acre uh, piece, no food plots. A 120-acre piece, no food plots. A 4,000-acre piece that we did, um, and it has food plots, but they're less than 5%. Um, the biggest one was a 3-acre plot. And there uh, were some crops on that one. but Here's still. a twelve or 900-acre piece, and there are food plots. I think there ended up being 12, and it was less than 10 acres. Yep. 
Um, here's another 500-acre piece in Pennsylvania. This one has more food plots, uh, still less than 5%. He was right at 5% of the property. Mm -hmm. That's like way up there for a lot of the places we've been to. Here's a 1,200-acre piece that we worked a couple months ago, and there's food plots all over it, still less than oh, 5%. That was 500. Okay, 500 acres, sorry. Um, then we have a, another property. I'm trying to, okay, I'm looking at this one, another one in PA. Um, and it was a, it was uh, like 120 acres, I think. Um, so I'm just looking at aerial imaging, less than 5% mm -hmm. in food plots. Here is one that is in Missouri that was 60 acres. This one is unique because the food plots or the food sources are actually all the crop fields. So they are a hay farmer. So they have alfalfa everywhere on this farm. Um, and so the food plots where they're planting soybeans and corn is, I think it ended up being an acre and a half total. Mm -hmm. So one, an acre and a half out of 60 acres. Um, then we've got another one in Oklahoma. Um, it was in between 100 and 200 acres. Food plot acres are probably um, right there around one acre. Another one in Georgia, um, 120 acres. F total food plot acres, about six. Mm -hmm. Catch the trend? Oh, yeah. How many I, times I, do those, we... Those are, those are your maps. I've got another... 10 or 12 at home that would that would say the same exact thing. Well, and that's not even all the maps that no. we covered this this last couple of months. No. And it's just like how many times do I've asked this question so many times. Food plot acres. What on your farm takes up the most time? When it comes from January to December, what do you spend most of your time at? Usually it's food plots. Easily. You plant them, you um, you do the soil test, you amend it, you spray them, you check them, you put food plot or you put cameras on it. Your food plots is where you spend most of your time, but it's less than 5% of your property. Almost er I would almost guarantee the fact that your food plot acres is less than 5% of the whole property. But we spend almost 80 would, to 90% of our time there. At least most most people would fall into 70% of their time spent on less than 5% of their property. So does Tiger Woods is he does when he goes to practice does he spend eighty percent of his time practicing a shot that he that he hits less than five percent of the time during Negative. during the uh, Negative. play no same same thing with 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 business if if you're in a business would you spend seventy percent of your time working on five percent of your revenue you know what. Why would you do that? Again, we're asking you the same question with, with land. Why would you spend that much time doing that when you could make this amount of impact across the whole landscape? And I, you know, most food plot varieties that you're looking at, on average, on an annual basis, I think it's a roughly 3,500 to about 6,000 pounds of forage per year. Or yeah, per year in in each acre of those. So you know, again, most of these properties had less than 10% of the the property really is five percent i guess um of the property in food plots and you're saying that that five percent would outweigh the rest of it and what the the natural native landscape could be um and provide from a tonnage forage and a cover standpoint outweigh those food plots i don't i don't think so and because of food plot again we all know it provides food 
it does not provide cover in most instances, yep. um, especially not throughout the entire year. And so it's like, why do we sit here and do this? So, so time manage- management, not only as in resource management, how you're doing it, but the time that you spend on these activities is critical. We didn't talk about how food plots cost more than ev- than almost all no. the other stuff that we do. No. When it comes to timber management, it could cost a lot if if there is no marketable timber. But if there is marketable timber, it's a way to improve habitat and still make money. Well, or there's cost share options to help offset those costs. Roughly 80% potentially of the cost that it would take to manage the timber and improve the cover and improve the food on the landscape. You know, yeah. we were just talking about today, you know, a lot of people are, are posting the pictures of food plots and stuff like that on, on their property, um, you know, right now. And they're, you know, hey, look at this germination or look look at the, the weeds I've got growing in this food plot, this and that. But you, you look at it, it's like, okay, we're June 8th right now. Um, June 8th. When did things start greening up? Around here locally, probably the 10th, 12th, 15th of April. How many months well, are we? Well, started into? really growing. I mean, it starts greening up in March. Start, yeah, it starts greening up then, but really start going. How many months are we behind, if you will, on if your deer are are or you're thinking your deer are relying on your food plots to make it through? What what were they doing this whole month and a half? Yeah, that things have been greening up and really Antlers going. have been growing for a while now. Yeah, since probably beginning of May. Fawns have been developing or already on the ground by now. And our soybeans are this tall. And it takes three weeks at least for them to start eating uh, forage, you know, besides the milk from their mom. So it's like, yeah. guys, this ain't adding up. It's just not adding up. So no. that's that's initially where a consultant or land and legacy, because I guess I shouldn't say just, I guess I shouldn't say any consultant, but land and legacy will come in and say, okay, here here's here's the time, here's the value, here's the return. Um, let's, let's relook at this. Let's think about the bigger impacts that we can make across a larger portion of, of the property. Um, so within that, let's say business plan, one of the things that we, we just kind of covered there was how are we going to pay for this? And, and there's a lot of different options and that's kind of where some of, um, I'm going to say diversity, diversity comes in from the people who we get calls from and it says, because there's the options of cost share programs through your state or through federal programs. Um, there's potentially on, on a property, the option of farming or agriculture practices. And then there's the potential of livestock or timber harvest. And yep. so those four different things are a lot of the ways that people potentially pay for things, or it's just straight out of pocket. And, yep. and, and you know, or they do the work themselves. Correct. Correct. And so, those are the basically the things then you say, okay, the goals, the way we're going to achieve it, and then this falls in how we're going to pay for it. Yeah. Because that's, that's a big thing. Yep. I mean, what, what's what's the, the two most limiting things on on anybody's, um, any landowner's plate? Time or money. Time and money. That's it. It yep. boils down to, okay, how am I going to do this with this or within these time constraints? And so, it's it's a... No one likes to ask, okay, well, I mean, how, how are we going to achieve this? You know, what kind of resources? And, you know, you know, we don't budget people out or anything like that, but we, we have to address that and say, I don't want to recommend all these things and add to your stress level. Um, this should be enjoyable. So how are we going to tackle this? And again, those are the, the most 
I guess the top six top ways that people pay for these practices. Um, it's, I think one of the things you've always I've heard this joke for years that nobody can spend money quicker than a land consultant. Like a consultant, to, period. A consultant. Um, when it comes to land ownership, nobody can spend it quicker than a land consultant. I I don't know. I, I mean, there's been times where we've recommended something that could be expensive. It, and a lot of times that's probably with like pollinator or native mm-hmm. plant, uh, native species restoration. But a lot of that's cost shared. A lot. And so, um, or it's or it's planted, but they're going to use it for summer grazing. So if it's an investment that they're going to make back over time because they're going to have more weight gains through the summer months. Um, what we generally recommend is more work than 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 Correct. expense. Correct. And now, again, there's there's cost share programs for that as well. Yeah. Or, uh, or or you do timber harvest to then pay for you reinvest that back into the property. Yeah. It could be do a timber harvest, take that money, part of that money, and invest it into a crew to do this, or invest it into a, a grinder head on a renting a grinder head on a skid steer to knock out an area that was taken over by autumn olives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or Eastern Red Cedar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's lots of different ways, if you will, to skin the cat. And, but we have to look at those. We, we can't ignore them and say, okay, like I said, I'm going to I'm just recommend all this stuff and then just walk away and, and expect, okay, it to just fall into to this guy's lap and, and for it to be accomplished, you know, two, de- two years down the road. It, it just doesn't happen like that. A good solid plan of execution of, okay, here are your goals for year one, year two, year three. Um, we, we need to, we need to roadmap this thing out. Um, and, and I think too, along the, the entire way is you have to provide that encouragement um, to the, to the landowner because a lot of these things and the practices that we're talking about, not that the return isn't, um, or that you can't see change quickly, but sometimes you get into the middle of a practice and you're like, when is it going to end? Like, am I going, is it going to be beneficial? And so you have to be real with, with, you know, let's say this practice when you're recommending like, you're probably going to be about three years out from seeing what you want to see with this, but it's okay. What you can't see, you know, during that time frame is a foundation being built. And so don't get discouraged during this time frame. You know, if you find yourself doing that, call us. We'll we'll give you that encouragement, let you know kind of what's happening from a scientific standpoint. And and we've I know I have and I know you probably have too, but there's been phone calls of encouragement to offer to our landowners that are oh, in the middle of the plan big going. Time. Big I'm time. I'm a little bit overwhelmed right now. Oh yeah. Well, I I just got a text last night from a guy um and and he had I guess done a very very light. I, he's he basically doing old field and a couple fields, but then um, added some grass component to it and planted that. And he's like, I, first year I didn't see much result out of it, and then the next year I started seeing some come up. And then this year I went back. I was like, holy cow! I have a really decent structural component to this old field stand, and I've got diversity, and and I'm love seeing now that years down the road. I have what I want, but during that two-year period, it was a little bleak in, in his opinion of, can I expect this to come back? Can I, can I expect to get what I want out of this? But with many natives, they they sleep, they creep, and then they leap. So they're 
building a root system, then they expose themselves and they're still building that foundation. And now that they have that foundation year three, they're very present and, and definitely in your face kind of, oh, I, I really had no idea I was going to have this success. So you do have to remain encouraged. And I think piggybacking on last week's podcast with Laddie out of Delaware is he's the guy who, man, he's planted hundreds of thousands of trees and hundreds of thousands of shrubs and finally is now like, I get it. I, I'm here. I've done what I what I needed to do, and this property is rocking. And it and it's gotten to a point for him, 17 years down the road, where it's kind of set on cruise control, if you will. He's he's got the habitat in place. Now he's just managing it. He's just doing the right um, practices um, on, on the right intervals every couple of years to to create that early successional or maintain that early successional habitat. So. We we've got to address that. Okay, how are, how are we going to get these things done and and remain chin up all the way through them? Um, don't get down. So another question or or thing that a land consultant would um, help navigate is what are the potential roadblocks that you're going to face? Because my gosh, if Mother Nature isn't um, a roadblock in and of itself, oh gosh, Adam just drew a stick figure. This for is me. really a difference to normal. Land management. He's showing me a picture, by the way. Um, I'm showing him a picture. I've been thinking about this for a while. But this is kind of with in, a purple in simple pen. terms. With a purple pen because it's my <laughs> wife's pen. Um, basically, it's a deer with huge antlers on a soybean plant and an eastern red cedar. Yeah. This other side. I is didn't know that was the cedar. Land, it looks yeah. like a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a cedar that should have been burned. Okay. Um, Half singed. And then the other side's got microbes. All the all oh, that's the, what those dots are. Yeah, and wow. worms and, and grubs and roots and soil and deer and turkey and butterflies, quail and butterflies bees. and bees and with pretty much the whole deer? ecosystem yeah. with a respectable deer. Yeah, and that's really. Well, I think we should say too that that drawing is not necessarily accurate. That just soybeans and just cedars are going to get that. No, that, no, no. That, that, that was the, I know. that was the mindset. <laughs> that, was the, that was yeah. If I have cedars <laughs> and I have soybeans, I get huge deer. Right, right. No, I got gotcha. you. Um, so yeah, basically, what are the? Thank you for that art class. Yeah, you like that <laughs> recess time. <laughs> um, what are the roadblocks that we're gonna face, and then how do we navigate them? Because that's one of those things too. I I think at any point in anybody's life, you know that you know things are going good. You're rolling down the road, and then all of a sudden, life just kind of jumps up and bites you in the rear, and you're like, I did not see that coming. I didn't, I wasn't planning for this. Um, how do I get out of it? And then again, if you're if you're owning land, those things can pop up just randomly. Um, Mother Nature just does things, and, and sometimes you can't control, like rain, like whether it's too much, because a lot of places have had too Your much rain. gymnastics get in the way. Yeah cheerleading how many we've got a lot of folks that and i know they're probably laughing right now because we were like well they said cheerleading but seriously kids activities take away from this and not to say that we're putting land management in front of kids activities it's just things that hey you don't foresee necessarily down the road um that you may have to think about and consider i I guess the comment to that is there's going to come times because we've had this discussion where a client who's planted his food plots for several years in a row, he didn't get his spring food plots in this year because he was life was just too busy. Yeah. Family family priority uh, took took them away from planting food plots, which is great. That's I mean, you, you should fine. be 
focusing more on your family than your food plots. Yes. But you need to, this is where our big thing is. You need to be, when you're on your farm, you need to be making the biggest impact. Yeah. And you need to be doing things that are long lasting effects to where if life gets busy and you can't be there during the growing season, but when you show up during hunting season, you still have a doggone good chance at harvesting a good deer. Case in point. Prescribed fire. Prescribed fire. Timber you, harvest. You Grassland burn, restoration. You burn a place. Let's say you got a timber burn, 80-acre timber burn. You don't, if you if it's done right and everything, you've got, it's not closed canopy burn. We're not talking about that. We're talking about semi-open canopy, prescribed fire. That 80 acres is most likely pretty stinking solid for the next three to four years. Yep. Most of the, it's sometimes five years, depending as on the growing season. As long as it's not closed canopy. Correct. Exactly. So, it, is there is there places on your farm that you could walk away from for five years and know that you're still going to get ample benefit from? Have you set your property up in that manner to say, I'm busy, I can't do what I need to do on the place? Are you still going to get the benefit and the return? Right. Are the deer still going to grow the way you want them to grow. Yeah, most likely. That's the way a plan um, should should develop and help develop a property. Those are the practices that we want to put the the, the resources of, of time and money into because, right, life jumps up and gets you sometimes. Yes. Ties and your hands behind your back, and you're like, I can't do anything. I can't do anything, but at the same time, you know, if, if you tried to get the same – if you spent your time, the amount of time – uh, and I almost—I think I told Brian Tal this on the phone just a few days ago that we needed to start a trend. And and I want to be up front and say we are cl- we are huge fans of food plots. We plant food plots. We love food plots. Totally. We don't hate food plots at all. I mean, we work how with many, Stratton Seed Company who sells food plot seed. Did we plant this spring? Um. So on the Prairie Hollow property, the so the Prairie Hollow like property s- and the family farm ends up being about fifteenish. S- s- Almost 900 acres. Yeah. And we planted about 15 acres of food plots. And all in all, probably with what we did, if if we weren't semi-distracted and doing things along the way, that was three days. Yes. Three days. Based on the techniques we're using, based on what we're planting, um, and now they're just... They're growing. I mean, what else is there too? I mean, you yeah. know, you're just kind of sitting back and saying, "Okay, good to go." But we also burned, yeah, about eighty acres. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, yeah, it was about eight. Yeah, it was eighty acres, and that was um, six hours. Yep, six and, hours. And and that was an area that was harvested by a logging crew. So there's all kinds of sunlight. It's incredible. And you'll see some pictures on social media, most likely. When you look at the amount Oof, of pretty. Uh, native fly, like forbs growing. It's incredible. There, Shrubs. There, there's more forage available <sighs> in that 80 acres than all of our food plots combined because of the state that the food plots are in right now. They've only been yep. planted for three weeks. Right. Down the road? Yeah, they might they might outweigh based per acre of, of forage. But again, there's additional 700, yeah, about 800 acres that are still managed and and that last year there was burns we don't have to go back into those no well 
we, we've done some cutting outside of those. Well, that's what they're growing back to. Like it, those are the, where are you putting your time? Where are you putting your money? And is that getting you the return that you want and achieving your goals? That's basically what it is in a nutshell that we do. And it, every property is a hundred percent different. Every property has different goals and objectives and they take a different plan and strategy to achieve that. But if, if you're a landowner out there listening and you're like, I haven't thought of it like that, or I haven't, I don't have that plan in my head of what's most important and what's my return on this activity. Hmm. What do I do? Yeah. Pick up the phone calls, <laughs> send us an email. We, we would certainly love to help, but it's like you, you, as as a landowner, you should be considering all that. And, and another thing that too I think plays in all this is just enjoyment of the land. We're I was talking to a guy the other day. He goes, "We're fanatics. Like let's just put it, like call it what it is. We're fanatics. Fanatics about what land okay. and, and just managing land. And not every activity or every landowner out there would enjoy going and cutting, running a chainsaw like we would." So yes, there there is the the aspect of okay, I I get enjoyment out of out of this activity. You have to go to the farm. You have to if you, if you're gonna have it for a long time and you want to enjoy it, you have to have fun while doing this. So you have to bring bring that into into effect. And you have to bring the family into it as well. Um, I know we talked about it in the past on some podcasts, but it's like you know, how do you how do you incorporate the family? How do you how do you teach them about what's going on? Um, we've had people planting. Uh, pollinator strips or wildflowers um, or sunflower patches to bring their family out for, for uh, like the, the wife loves to see that during the growing season and take pictures with the family. So how do you incorporate all of them into this mess? And, and that's where, again, that strategic, well-thought-out plan achieves all that for people. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think, think if you think about it as a, as if a business, If you get into a more sense. of a holistic mindset, instead of focusing on large antlers, there's a lot more enjoyment that's to be had year-round. Yeah, for sure. Instead of sitting here waiting for time, like I used to be a guy that would may hit, and I'm like, I'm ready for deer season. I'm ready for deer season. And I would, I would look right through the summer and early fall thinking about deer season and miss some of the amazing stuff that occurs during the summer months yeah. with native prairies, even woodlands, savannas. Um, glades, all the flowers and the mi- monarch migration, all that stuff that's really, really enjoyable. We wouldn't have the falls that we do if we if if the, these things didn't occur. 100%. And, and and so I definitely get more out of land now with a holistic mindset than focusing just on antlers. Yeah, I you know I shared I shared a couple weeks ago a new app that I found that I really liked. I had a guy that messaged in and said that Matt Strasser, I think is how they pronounce the last mm-hmm. name. two brothers, Matt yeah. and Adam, that yep. uh, they messaged me quite a bit. And, um, they follow along, so shout out to you guys. And, it's kind um, of ironic. They uh, they said, Matt said that he used the, uh, he used the Merlin Bird ID app, yep. um, and he was playing around with the calls out loud and uh, calling birds back to him in his yard and that it was just awesome. Right. It's like that app isn't for deer hunter. That app's for a guy who just wants to enjoy his land. Certainly. Certainly. Um, another big thing that comes up 
that that we help people with is who do I get to get this work done? Not everyone has again the the time to be able to do this. So, you know, we can help with okay, here's crews, here's um the supervision you need. You can trust these guys. You might want to look elsewhere. Um, vetting people, doing doing those sorts of things, and there's there's more to that um, on that to come for sure. But that's one of those those other things is God, how do how do I achieve all that you've laid out? And and I think it's best, honestly, you know, when you're when you're on a property and you return a plan to someone, to again, we don't want to overwhelm anybody, but we want them to know that hey, there's a long list of things to get done. And there's years of work, but you bite off what you can do at these times. And here's, again, that roadmap. And if you can't do that, or if you want to put the gas pedal on it and achieve these things, um, yeah, hiring a crew would be great. You've got four guys working, you know, one full week a year to achieve this timber stand improvement. Well, let's get it done. Let, let's help you find those right people, um, people we can trust, and achieve that and so there's just there's I guess what I'm saying is don't get overwhelmed by the amount of work that can come from all this there's ways to get it done yeah it doesn't all have to fall on your shoulders it does not have to do that yep for sure and there and uh, I'll mention another thing we didn't even mention I don't think food plots being the biggest one of the biggest expense if not the biggest expense on a landscape for a farm for a for a hunter they cost a lot of money and it's up to us. One thing that we do is help you find quality products that don't cost an arm and a leg. True. And, and this is one. Or, or. Because I don't have any extra arms a, and legs to pay for this A big part, too, is where, at what point, what product do you need to spend the additional money because you need a quality product? True. And And so that's another big thing that we do. Yep. yep. Um, help, help, help navigate that because, let's face it, there's a lot of. I, I, I feel like the hunting industry has hired some of the best brains in marketing in the world, period. Like, For sure. Those jokers can sell some stuff. Catch up popsicles Woo-hoo. to ladies in white gloves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's ridiculous. Um, so, you know, what what is then going to get you from, from A to Z? Um, where do you need to look at to the quality versus quantity, all these things? Um, so that's basically what Land Legacy does in a nutshell from a consultation standpoint. Um, yes, there, there's certainly different, um, levels of those plans that, that we do, um, you know, from, from entry level all the way up to, Hey, here's a retainer service. We're going to, we're going to come back multiple times a year and, uh, help you help work you through these growing seasons and check in on the progress of work, give you, um, the ability to fine tune these projects and, um, because it may end up being the, the original plan. They laid it out. They did the veterinary thickets, but then, an uh, invasive species came on and they weren't aware of it. We show up the next year, a couple months later, we're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Let's tackle so this. We got to address gotta, this. We got to get on it. We got to yeah. get on it. So yeah, they, they, you know, everything from entry level all the way up to right. We're on the property multiple times a year. Um, again, continuing to provide that uh, additional oversight and supervision for, for projects. So um, definitely if you have any more questions regarding those services specifically, email us at info at landlegacy.tv. But we've, we've got a couple 
if you will, case studies and things that, that I think will be valuable um, for us to share with past clients that have hired us and the ways that, okay, things made sense for, for these folks. Um, and they vary from property sizes and level or knowledge of, of land management um, and goals. But here, here's a couple of case studies from, from people. Um, number one, remember Andrew from Indiana? Yes. About 50, 54 acres or so. We went and, and uh, toured back in, well, it, was, it was beginning of this year. I guess it was late January. Um, him and his wife had a, had a pretty piece of land that they had bought and wanted to do um, improve it for deer, but loved small game hunting too. They had a young son. They're like, you know, this this place is going to be special to us. It'll be special to our family. Um, how how do we how do we get that out of the property? Um, and what we found through the management practices that we laid out and the region, the and talking to him, yeah, and and talking to him that he was located in a region where rough grouse, there was an initiative for projects and habitat management projects um, in that area. So a lot of what we recommended in the plan, we said, hey, here's this contact, reach out to them, see what programs, you know, that we've laid out and kind of tailor made to the property um, that will help achieve things for the rough grouse. But again, achieve things too from the small game, from the uh, whitetail side of things, reach out to them, see what can get cost shared. And he called me back after he got the plan, talked with the folks. Um, he had gotten approved for, I think it was like six to $7,000 that Most, year. A lot of states are not, I guess I can't speak on that. But most states that I've dealt with on state agency funding, there's a six thousand, roughly six thousand dollar ceiling cap on. That's how much you can make, right? And that comes with whether you're doing temporary forest openings, permanent, permanent forest openings, fire break, road construction, um, water, water, water holes, water holes, wildlife water holes, Prescribe fire. That's that? but yeah, uh, no, you did. Um, but if you do national stuff, equip programs and NRCS programs, there isn't that six thousand dollar one. But he's going through the state agency, so he capped out his capped out his amount of dollars that he could use through the state. But it pretty well made it to where almost Basically. the entire plan or a lot of the work, the initial work, <laughs> the temporary and permanent forest openings and roads yep. were laid out. Done. Paid for. Just yep. like that, because our plans, or and we've it's been it's happened in multiple states, but our plans generally qualify for wildlife management plans on state agencies because we recommend what the government would call sound wildlife management practices. Correct, correct. Um, another one, Greg H- hinge cutting didn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um. Greg got to planted cedars. Yeah. <laughs> um, Greg, who's joined us on the podcast in the past, he shot a you know whopper, a giant deer uh, last year. Um, he talked about it. You know, yeah. two thirty nine. We talked to. I've known Greg from way back, and uh, he's got that place in Iowa. He's talked to us about, and uh, my gosh, through through some of the work they've done. 
they've he's killed that deer they found the sheds i think he said it was 180 or something like that last right, year right and ended up being 239 this year so made a huge humongous jump incredible jump in uh, a lot of the work that they've done uh laid out that's just kind of but, really improved the habitat but from him you know from from his standpoint he wants big deer that's mm-hmm. that's a goal of his and and, and that's a focus that was uh, achieved and hopefully will still continue to be uh, achieved but you know whereas whereas andrew the first case study he's on 50 50 some acres yeah he knows you know what the limitations are there he's he's you know understands that and respects those um and he wants emphasis on small game and, and bring his kids out there and doing things like that but we we were able to help him achieve those goals helping um greg achieve those goals and then another one uh Colby Roberts out of Oklahoma. Yep. That was one of my, I mean, I love every property we go to, but his, I just, something about that. <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful Oklahoma place. Oklahoma place. Beautiful place. Oklahoma prairies, na- a lot more native landscape. Um, and he's he's doing some great things out there, seeing some really good deer. Yeah. But he kind of had that. seen some great deer, He too. had that mindset of, I want to do this for the deer, but also quail, which yeah, means. Yeah, for sure. Instead of just food plots, we got to focus on other stuff. We got to yeah. focus on native habitat restoration. And the reason we say native habitat restoration is northern bobwhite quail are native to that area, so they rely on natives. They rely <laughs> on native habitat. So yeah. the whole thing is hint hint. What what does that landscape made up of? A lot. What 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 shaped it? Fire, and grazing. And at some point, he's probably going to Im- implement cows into some yeah. of his up upland areas um, and probably maybe even some his big bottom field too with his Correct. kind of cover crop. So he's looking for ways to increase uh, increase profits on that farm um, but also improve the habitat and through rotational grazing and replicating nature and natural disturbance, he can do it. He can absolutely do it and it's going to be an absolutely, it already is an absolutely gorgeous property. He's going to definitely achieve it. Um one more gentleman that comes to mind out of West Virginia, um, you know, Ryan, he he hadn't ever deer hunted before, um, but had just gone in with cousin and everything and, and purchased a property. Um, and, and truthfully, I love their heart as to what, they, what it is that they want to achieve. They have big goals for a property um, to basically help help out a community. Um from the standpoint of raising like grass fed beef, um, having chickens, um, making a property that is holistically sound, um, kind of the know where your food kind of comes from campaign, but at the same time be able to use it as an outdoor recreational, you know, property for him and his family and company. And he's going to hunt it. He's going to enjoy it. Um, but this was the first time he's ever owned property and hasn't hunted and hasn't farmed before. So we helped Hasn't him. Deer hunted. He had, had, he had quail hunted. Yep. Yep. Down south stuff, but you know, for, from his standpoint, it was. I can't, I need I need help from the from the ground up, and, and let's. These are all the things that I want. These are you know, we're talking farm. We're talking rotational grazing. We're talking about wildlife. We're talking about forestry management. We're talking about prescribed fire. All these things coming together, on a blank canvas, um, for guys who are just getting started in this, and so. It's it's awesome to to go back and see though, kind of go back and revisit that plan. Like ah, there's a lot of cool things that are happening on this place that um, they're fired up, they're ready to do it and achieve. 
But again, those four, let's say, case studies, they all had different plans. They all have different things that they wanted to achieve on the property, yet a sound plan has gotten them, I'd like to say, hopefully where they're at, though. You know, it's, it's getting them down the road saying, okay, I'm not just, let's say, shooting from the hip every, every growing season. You know, I kind of know what the plan is and how to achieve it from here on out. I, I'm not uh, swinging it, just a wing yeah. and a prayer. Cause I'm you're, not you're, going you're, out to the farm every other Saturday saying, yeah, what do I want to get myself into? Yeah, yeah. I might go bush hog for a little while. You stop it. You stop it. I might it. go and put that bush hog Whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's okay. I'm going to do this because we always add timetables to our uh, hybrid or full reports where it's like, this is what you need to be doing in the spring of 2020. This is what you need to be doing in the fall of this. And that is kind of a way for them to say, okay, for the next three months, I need to accomplish these three main things. I can do other stuff, but these are the three main things I need to accomplish. And after a certain amount of period, they're going to be able to look back and say, wow, I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. I'm going somewhere. I, I'm, I'm, I'm achieving what I need to, or, or I'm, I've paced myself to get there in X amount of years. So honestly, in a nutshell, I'd say that's land and legacy. That's what we do. But but I hope that answers the question um, for people of saying, so guys, I hear you talk about, you know, on the podcast, you do consulting. Um, you hate cedars. You love natives. Well, what do you guys do? Well, and cedars are native before, yeah. when you make that statement. Well, I'm, I meant... We hate I meant a eastern red cedar monocultures. monocultures. But, like, you love natives that just, like, diversity yes. of all types. But... Hopefully that gives you guys a good understanding of what we do day to day, um, and what land land legacy is as, as a business or as a service. That's that's essentially what it is. So um, there's a, there's a solid foundation. There's there's more to come on some things um, that we touched on today. So be listening. Are there any other announcements that you got, Adam? Not really. No. Oh, I'll up? be in. Uh, yeah. I'll be in that? Michigan this this 14th, weekend. 15th? Um, at the, uh, I'll be in Michigan. Grand Rapids area. Grand Rapids area. Let me pull this up. Um, I'm trying to make sure I, I don't miss it. At the Cedar Creek Watershed Co-op. Um, in, oh my goodness, it's a long email. Um, yeah, I'll be in Grand Rapids area for, uh, a consultation. Um, Coming up this weekend, May, no, no June, June 14th, June, 15th. June, June 14th, I'll be there. That's the night of the, of the, of the banquet. Um, I'll be presenting a, um, a talk. I don't know what I'm going to speak on yet. Um, but basically I'll be talking probably about some sort of native habitat and how much we hate invasives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's not an invasive in Michigan. Come on now. Yeah, Good and so Lord. that will be, uh, be a, hot, a hot topic. I guess the time is from 4:30 to 10. Bring your mounts, antlers, sheds, jawbones, and pictures. Sounds like I'm gonna be aging <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. June and they're 14th all they're all two <laughs> at the Cedar Creek Watershed Deer Management Cooperative, um, and also the Spring Neighborhood Co-op. So, so it's a the, joint effort. There. There's multiple. There's multiple co-ops coming. Yeah, yeah. There's multiple branches. Okay. Um, beers, brats, 
hot dogs, pop, and venison wraps. Um, and I might just go up for the food. Good lord! Yeah, Woo. and then uh, yeah, cool. Well, so it's that's happening this weekend. Camp near Thornapple Lake Road, east of Divine Road. People Woo, are so confused luck. right now. Contact. Just get on QDMA and look up Mike Floor. F. Oh man, I just I just saw his name and now I can't see it. Mike Floor is who F L O H R. Just look him up on QDMA's website and you'll see him. Contact, Contact him, Mike. Get there, be there if you can. Um, Adam will be Adam will be speaking. Or call Tony at two six nine eight three eight zero six seven two. There you go. I'll be there. Okay. You guys in Michigan. Latest announcement. Join our Facebook group, Land Wildlife Conservation Community. Yep. So search it on Facebook. Join it. That's where we talk all kinds of stuff. People share pictures, and we communicate and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, like our Facebook page if you haven't already. Um, huge thanks to you guys for the Rough Grouse Society oh, giveaway yeah. and American Woodcock Society giveaway um, that we big. did last week. And, it's been uh, rocking. Yeah. So all good. I don't have anything else. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening. We will see you next week.